UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with Martin Ruski Willis. I'm not actually Martin Ruski Willis. You know who I am today? Who? I I am Martin. Wishing you a happy birthday, Willis. Oh, happy well, birthday, that's good, I guess. Alejandro. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Uh, it is my birthday. I uh, usually. Don't like to make a thing about my birthday. Like, I'm not big into parties and stuff. And, and it's funny because people, because I do the radio show and, and I love, you know, you can tell, I think, when I'm on stage that I'm having fun and I like being on stage. And you can tell I have fun when I'm doing this radio show because I do. But I'm not like a, a, I'm like an introvert and extrovert in that I don't like attention on me. I think that's what's cool about radio uh, is that. You know, the attention isn't so much on you. You're just by yourself, talking with a buddy, having fun. And you know what? People are listening, but it's not like people are giving you attention. So that's why I'm kind of shy about my birthday. But um, thank you. You're welcome. And uh, just one more thing. Happy birthday, Alejandro. (laughs) That's cute. As long as you don't sing. I was thinking about it, but. uh, I dare you. you. Because I've sang. I sang on my show. I've sang on your show. I don't think once you have sang. And that's not Happy fair. birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Alejandro. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> that was really good. I don't know why you don't sing more often uh, because uh, that was that was great. I was trying to do something that Bill Bill uh, Murray used to do this thing where he used to oh. practice. Used to do like a lounge singer. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah, I was trying to do that. That's where he thing. does a Star Wars talking That's about right. Star I'm Wars. I'm glad you get the reference. Yeah, yeah I love Bill Murray. Yeah, that was good. That was good, Bill Murray. That was good singing. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, thank you so much, Martin. You're welcome. So I called you a Ruski because you're in Russia, and uh, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. And, it, you know, I get overly freaked out and i always say that i don't mean that as a bad thing i don't mean that as a bad thing because i don't want people to think that i mean that as a bad thing and it seems like whenever i don't say that then people get upset so like <laughs> you know uh who who did we get upset last time oh canada oh no no yeah. canada recently oh. but the last show i had to make an apology because people thought i was being 
or you and I were being mean about Heather Wade and Art Bell. Oh, that's Bell. right. And, and that yeah, wasn't, right. I didn't intend to do that at all. No, that they're great. I love Art Bell. I don't really know Heather Wade, um, but she seems great. So, yeah, I have no problem with any of that. So uh, I had to apologize because someone got upset about that. But, yeah, and then just recently Canada, because we were talking about Canada Day, which we got the facts completely wrong. And, and I certainly apologize for that. And they're like, you could have just Googled it, dude. And it was like, okay, that's true. But um, we were talking, so it was in the mid-conversation. I couldn't Google and get the facts mid-conversation. I do most humbly apologize for not having the facts when it comes to Canada Day, which is actually on the first. But yeah, you know, I know. that they pers- said in the uh, article, the person said the second. Exactly, they said they were celebrating on the second. So maybe they were just celebrating the day after, or maybe it was on a yeah. Friday or Thursday, and so celebrations were the next day or something like that. So we innocently assumed it was the second, and then we joked around about you know the. Stealing thunder. Yeah, Yeah. trying to steal our thunder or something like that. And even that's not bad because if they had decided, you know what, let's steal some of the July 4th juju from these goofball Americans, we'll have our holiday a few days before. So theirs will be like a follow-up and it'll be like, oh, you know, we're already over it. We already celebrated. I think that would be great. I think that'd be genius. And that would have been a good move by Canadians. So I didn't, I wasn't criticizing that, that concept, if that's what they did. I was, you know, saying, hey, good job, Canada, getting one over on us. But uh, (laughs) what can you do? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, so if any Canadians were offended, and luckily mostly for the most part, this is a stereotype, but a stereotype I've found to be true. Canadians are pretty damn nice. Um, So I think that mostly they'll accept our apology, which is uh, heartfelt, and and I'm a big fan of Canadians, so. Me too. Our neighbors to the north, we love you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess they're really good with computers. We I used to work at this company where uh, I was a trainer. Uh, I managed this training department for computers and stuff. And we had a call center in Canada. And the manager used to remind us every phone call he had to remind us. Well, you know, Canadians are much better at commuter- computers than Americans because we teach them in school. <laughs> he used Real- to say that oh. every time. And, Just you know, so you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be nice, I would never call him on it. And I'm a stats guy where I, I would have said, well, according to our statistics right here, you know, you're not performing as well. But they would perform pretty well. But just because they were mostly, they were very nice and everything to customers. So if you get a Canadian call center, it's a very, you're, you're lucky because you're going to get someone mm-hmm. really nice. But um, yeah, I just remembered that about Canadians. So, Hey, so who do we have for a guest on the show today. Oh, that's right. We're doing a radio show right now. <laughs> I almost forgot. And it's a UFO radio show. It's not a Canadian or Russian radio show. So, yeah, let's talk about UFOs. And I have someone excellent to speak about UFOs uh, on the show today. Actually, we're more speaking about aliens. And that is Chase Kletsky. Uh, And she, of course, is a researcher with MUFON. I say, of course, because I've had her on the show before. And uh, I talked about her on the last show because she was the MC at the Roswell UFO Festival uh, the weekend before last, which was a lot of fun. I, I was there speaking and she introduced me and she made me sound like I was, you know, amazing. 
and uh, <laughs> she oversold. So I think people were extremely disappointed when they're like, this guy is not. She made it sound like this guy was like incredible. He was kind of dorky with some goofball jokes. This guy's a goofball. <laughs> no, I think people uh, like my talk, but she's great. Uh, she works with MoveOn, and we'll go over some of that history of what she's doing with MoveOn. Because I think when I interviewed her last, she was critical of MoveOn, and that was part of our mm. discussion. And, you know, mm-hmm. here's some behind the scenes. So after we talked, you know, I was like, you know, you, you should uh, talk with Jan again. Have you ever talked with him and, and see if you could work some of this out? And she's like, no, I don't really know him. So we got them together. We said, Jan, you should talk to Chase. And we arranged it. And they got together. And she's been enthusiastically involved with uh, MUFON Research. And we'll talk about that. But in particular, we're going to talk about the Star Child Skull. Do you remember what that is? I sure do. I had Lloyd Pye on years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking so about that. Lloyd Pye is a guy. He uh, was a guy investigating uh, a former journalist, I believe is his background, who was investigating this odd skull that was found in Mexico that he believed may be of extraterrestrial origins. And he felt that the DNA was a little bit strange. Um, It turns out he was not the owner of the skull. He was just the investigator. And actually, Chase will be going over that history with us. And she did a very extensive uh, examination of this skull. And some of you may be aware, because we did share her findings on our Facebook and all of our social media and stuff, because they did a great job. And so I think people are going to find this really interesting. I think her honesty and uh, how... They went about this was great. But beyond that, she's also looked at these Peruvian skulls, these elongated skulls that people also think may be alien. And uh, we share uh, she shares her findings thus far what uh, her and uh, some of the people she's worked with, like L.A. Marzulli, uh, have discovered regarding these skulls. So I think it's really interesting. I, I, Chase is great. So uh, a lot of she fun. She is. Mm hmm. Yes, I've always uh, thought a lot of her. She's very, uh, very nice person. Mm-hmm. Super well, energetic great. and uh, mm-hmm. just really fun to be a bit around. She's always smiling and happy, and it uh, definitely she made the the Roswell thing great. So, yeah, thanks for reminding me um, that uh, we're doing the UFO podcast here. <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, do you want me to start out with a news story? Wow, you're just taking the lead here. Uh, it's your birthday. I'm trying to make you relax, man. Oh, well, thank you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. I'm going to sit back and why don't you uh, entertain me on my birthday uh, <laughs> with some UFO okay. stories? I will start with this, or and I'll finish with this, too. And it's <laughs> uh, aviation mechanic unable to identify a sphere-shaped object. That, that, this that, happened... Um, Yes, this happened in Ohio, uh, Mahoning County, and uh, he was actually watching, and he got to photograph, and he took a short video, which I downloaded and took a look at. So this happened back in June, uh, June 10th of this year, and uh, it was at night. Now, if you look at uh, the pictures, the stills um, on Open Minds, um, you will see that it does not look like nighttime. So this probably lightened up a little bit. The video does look like it's at night. Um, And so he said he went out um, to grab 
his cell phone charger out of his scooter or glove box and saw this object hauling bleep. This is a, uh, a family <laughs> show, right? That's yeah. true. Yeah, across the sky. <clears throat> and uh, he only had a little bit of time to snap a picture and a bit of video. Uh, so he said it was moving quite fast. And the video, it does, you do kind of get the sense that it is moving uh, fairly fast. Now, he's worked on uh, F-16s, and he has an, enough knowledge of planes and helicopters to know it wasn't a plane and it wasn't arc. Uh, it wasn't arcing like a uh, falling space object would. Um, so there is a clip. It's available. You can download it. And uh, and so this is uh, being investigated by Joseph uh, Pelvesky, Pelvensky. Um, and he closed it as an unknown at this time. So I don't know if you checked out the video. The stills are actually pretty decent when you uh, go in. It does kind of look like kind of a sphere or uh, almost a disc-shaped object has a nice, uh, pretty bright glow to it. Mm -hmm. Of course, it wouldn't be glowing. Um, you know, there's no reflection unless there was the moon reflection. I don't know what else would make it glow like that. Yeah, pretty interesting. What, uh, what do you think of the video? Uh, like I said, the video, it does appear that it is, you know, it, it's hard to see at first. You can see it. It does appear, though, that it is moving along only because uh, you see a little bit of a flash of the the tree line, you know, like he's following it or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's uh, Yeah, that's an outstanding one. That one's really interesting. Uh, who knows? That's a tough one to say. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting case. Uh, these are fun, these ones. There are some interesting pictures and videos. You know, we talked about one last week uh, coming up in the MUFON files. Did you happen to see that mm -hmm. other one where the witness uh, felt like they caught um, the military chasing a UFO? I did. I checked that out. Yes. Um, if Do you want me to say that one, too, so you can just relax on your birthday? Oh, that'd be great. Go for it. <laughs> All right. So this witness um, allegedly captures um, – this is really interesting because this was at, uh, um, at a meeting out in uh, California um, – where there was a bunch of people at a mutual, uh, wait a minute, no, it was, uh, I guess I'm not really prepared for this one. Man, it was a UFO conference. It was a UFO conference, that's yeah. right. And But the video is really crazy. Um, it is a night vision video, so I never know what to exactly think of those. But what happens is this, uh, this thing is moving right along, and it looks like uh, two parallel lights. Uh, you can actually see stars between them, and they're pretty close to each other. And they're steady lights, and they're moving what appears to be rapidly. And behind it, there is a jet chasing it. Um, you can see the uh, lights flashing on the jet, the navigation lights flashing. No lights are flashing on the two lighted objects. Uh, again, it seems to be moving right along. This happened at the at Joshua Tree. And back in May uh, 21st of this year, so they were all outside. They were all like looking for UFOs, and they actually saw this, which I think is uh, is pretty cool. And this was uh, right, I think, it was near Giant Rock, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So in the video, you do see two lights followed by two more lights. The second set of lights you can tell uh, is an aircraft. It, it's very apparent because they're blinking. The first set of lights are similar to the second, but not blinking. 
Um, so it's difficult to tell exactly what it is. That's the alleged UFO. Now, uh, one of the people there says she had some night vision goggles and she took a look and she, there's an image there of what she feels she saw a diamond shaped object. My question would be that kind of looks like an aperture, one of those aperture, you know, fuzzy things, which would make sense. You know, that if it was a bright hmm. point of light, sometimes they, uh, kind of are, they, the light, you're not getting an accurate view mm. of what the light looks like especially with night vision and uh, it could be just the shape of the aperture that makes it diamond shaped now i don't know that for sure so hopefully someone will chime in and tell me you are so wrong you don't know what the heck you're talking about or someone uh, will say hey you've been listening to mark d'antonio haven't you uh i think <laughs> that uh it's rubbing off and you 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 got it right so uh mark will be the first to tell me if i'm full of it so we'll see <laughs> But, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, people have chimed in. Now, this is kind of funny. You might be reading this story today uh, from on the Daily Express, which is a U.K. tabloid. They did pick up this story, and they wrote about it, uh, I think, today. And they did interview uh, at least a couple people, including uh, this guy from UFO Interest, Scott Brando, who's in our Facebook a lot, making comments, too. And he, he makes a lot of good comments. He's... UFOs of interest, I think, is the name of his website. But, uh, yeah, he, hmm. he made the comment that he feels they are both aircraft and that the first set of lights just looks like an aircraft. They're just not blinking, so a different kind of uh, of, of lights, uh, which is possible. So, And, you know, uh, when they're doing exercises, often the military— I've seen this many times myself because they do it at nearby Goldwater Range, and this where— all the stuff they're doing out there is mistaken for UFOs often, but they'll often be working in covert mode where their visible lights are off and only their infrared lights is, are on. So I don't know. I guess oh. that's possible because this was a black and white night vision scope. But Scott Brando did not think that uh, it was uh, mysterious. He felt they were aircraft. So we'll see. Now, the person investigating this is kind of cool, too, because he's one of our online buddies as well. Uh, MUFON, California MUFON Chief Investigator Earl Gray Anderson is the guy who's investigating. So no doubt he will keep us up to date on his investigation. And he's made at least a couple comments, not really regarding just that he's working on it and he appreciates any input uh, sort of thing. So he hasn't told us what he's figured out or anything. But, uh, yeah, he's often in our Facebook uh, group as well, the Open Minds UFO News Group. So uh, come check that out. So Earl's great. He's a really cool guy. And what an interesting name, Earl Gray, huh? Uh, yeah, it sounds like a T, right? Isn't that a tree? It is a T, and it made famous, uh, at least in the United States, by uh, you know Jean-Luc Picard, who always drank Earl Grey tea. Wow. Boy, you... So, <clears throat> You're really rounded, you know that? Uh, well, I'm trying to lose weight, so thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> I okay. haven't gone to the gym in the last week as much as I typically do or as would like to, but... Yeah, well, thanks. that's that's not what I meant. You know oh, what I mean. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, thank you then. Yes. <laughs> so one more thing A little thing bit about a lot. One more thing I want to talk about. This is really cool. So Richard Hoffman, who formerly, former director at uh, state director of a couple states in MUFON, recently left there. And 
Now he is uh, working with the SEU. He already was. So the SEU, the Scientific Coalition for Ufology, is the group that uh, investigated the Puerto Rican case, uh, the Homeland Security case, and Mm -hmm. wrote up that paper. And they're still doing that. In fact, they're ongoing answering questions um, and analyzing, you know, people's uh, theories on what that might be, uh, trying to figure it out. They feel, for the most part, they haven't come up with a satisfactory answer. And they do have more uh, investigations uh, regarding that, you know, underway, and they're going to be releasing more. However, you know, one of the areas he was state director was in Alabama. And so he wrote an article for us on Open Minds about a phenomena out there that is very similar to the Hesdalen Lights. So the Hesdalen mm. Lights, you know, we talk about that quite a bit. Uh, there yeah. are these lights in uh, Norway uh, over this valley that nobody seems to be able to figure out. Well, there's a similar phenomena in um, Cloverdale and in Alabama. Uh, in fact, there's a gentleman, Wyatt Cox, who's written a book about it called Spook Lights, and he's done an investigation into this. But uh, Richard Hoffman is part of an ongoing investigation to figure out what the heck these things are. And Mm -hmm. so he's written an article about this, and it sounds fascinating. So these light orbs that people are seeing. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, So people that can go on the line and read his article about this, you'll see some lights that are similar. Um, One really cool thing about this article that he submitted as well is that there are links to books that he's using as reference to people who have done investigations into luminous phenomena. So, you know, balls of light. Mm -hmm. And that so that's an extremely helpful reference because, you know, these are people who have done some scientific reference or investigation some books that people really should look into uh, if you are studying or investigating UFOs uh, to understand this phenomena better and, and what it might be. Um, but certainly, you know, Rich feels it's a mystery, and uh, so does a group investigating. Um, but yeah, that's pretty exciting. I think. Now, what are your just just to ask your opinion, your personal opinion, on your thoughts? Do you think that these are some type of natural phenomena? I have no clue. You know, um, mm-hmm. Erling Strand, who is the professor who has a group uh, that he takes students out to investigate this in Norway, and he works with other universities like in Spain and elsewhere to investigate these things. They come from the perspective that they are some sort of natural plasma phenomena type of thing, um, Mm -hmm. akin to, you know, uh, ball lightning or something like that. But he doesn't feel that way. He actually feels that there's evidence of of these things moving intelligently and, and demonstrating some intelligence. So, yeah, he feels that they're they're much more mysterious than uh, some natural phenomena. So Isn't I, that amazing? I, yeah, oh. I mean, I have no idea. I think it, what's exciting about this is that there are people researching um, these things and trying to use, uh, you know, equipment uh, that can gather uh, information on these things uh, to be able to determine what they're made of and what they might be. Uh, so there's hope of discovering the nature of the phenomena and that's what gets me really excited about Hesdalen and and now this and some of the other uh like the Marfa lights or things that are being investigated out there so um 
Yeah, I have no idea, though. I mean, for me, I, I will defer to the experts and, and their findings, yeah. really. That sounds like a good idea, smart idea. Um, I think it's great that they have taken it serious enough where they will actually, you know, um, get scientific equipment out there and get scientists out there mm -hmm. to study that. And I'm glad that they're going to be taking it more serious in uh, Alabama, too, and checking that out. Yeah, really cool. So before we're done, just one more thing I want to mention. First of all, there's some, there are a lot of great UFO stories out there recently, and I don't mean – well, I don't want to beg on them too bad because I always do, but I don't mean just only the UK tabloids because unfortunately uh, really maybe only one out of five stories, which is better than, than their <laughs> the statistics have been in the past – because I used to say zero out of zero stories, but I mean, only one out of five stories in the UK tabloids is actually based off of real information or not making too many wild claims. It's great they're referring to people like Scott Brando or Nigel Watson or, of course, Nick Pope. Those are very level-headed people who give them some good input. But uh, besides that, there's also a lot of UFO news out there. So, of course, we post it every day, but... It's just great that there's there's a lot of it. I mean, there's an abundance out there of interesting stuff. Now, one of these stories, however, is of a smoke ring. And I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just want to warn people that, you know, we've done stories on this before. And, and uh, I've got the link at least on our social media. And you can uh, if you look at smoke ring on our website, you'll see this. But uh, smoke rings are common. Like when something explodes, uh, just like when you're smoking, you know, and people like Gandalf, you know, Gandalf can do some pretty elaborate smoke ring stuff, but uh, normal people can make circles and stuff. Uh, a lot of people can. Or who did that? Uh, Godzilla. Baby Godzilla. Remember Baby Godzilla <laughs> before he could do fire did these little smoke rings. But the point oh, is, too funny. is that uh, when uh, during festivals and stuff like that, or even in this case, I think they said it was a transformer exploding and the smoke mm -hmm. created a ring. So explosions can often create a ring of smoke. So a lot of people are out there making a big deal about this smoke ring and oh my gosh, it's an alien or blah, 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 or a portal or whatever. No, it's just a normal occurrence. So... Uh, probably most of you see that and you think, well, it's smoke, big deal. Mm -hmm. But of course, uh, newspapers and stuff like this sensationalize some of this stuff. So, uh, it's not as mysterious as some of these people are making it out to be. That's right. Yeah. You know, usually when transformers blow, it's really, really bright. It's like some of the, yeah, you know, so bright it hurts your eyes to look at it. Yeah. So I'm surprised, uh. I'm surprised if it would be that. It seems like they would know that something was well, going on. Well, if it's if it's during the day, and you know a few blocks away, you're not going to see the light, uh, but you'll see the ring. And not only that, the light doesn't last for that long when it explodes. You know, it's a few seconds of because mm -hmm. I've seen this actually. And then, uh, but the smoke ring then slowly floats up, so it's it's present for much longer. So. People are more likely to see the ring than the lights, I think, uh, especially during the day. Mm -hmm. uh, so, mm -hmm. yep. All right. Well, anything else, buddy? 
No, I hope people got past the happy birthday song to listen to the rest of the show. That's oh, all I'm kidding? hoping Are you kidding? They're probably like, my goodness, he sounds wonderful. And I gonna get... can't wait to hear him sing more. <laughs> I think that's what they're thinking. I think they're they're more yeah. likely to stay listening because they're like, man, I, I, I can't turn the channel or, or turn this off because of the chance that Martin is going to sing some more. And, and it's wonderful. So. See me at the Starlight Lounge. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll have you perform at the UFO Congress. (laughs) You know, you could do UFOs. Look at those UFOs. No, I think you're the the one. You're the one. You are the talent. No, you. You. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Happy birthday again, man. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. You have a safe time out there. When are you, how long do you have out there still? 11 days. 11 days. So a little more than a week, about a week and a half. And then, and then you'll be back. So you have a safe trip. Enjoy those 11 days. And uh, I guess we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Sounds good. All righty. Talk to you next week. Talk to you later. I am super duper excited. Usually I'm super excited to have my guests on, but now I am, today I'm super duper excited to have Chase Kletsky back on the show. Hello, Chase. Hi, Aliandro. I'm so happy to be here. It's always Yay. like so much fun when we're in the same room. It is fun. And we were in the same room quite a bit recently in Roswell. What a great experience. I am still excited and very motivated. That's probably the word I walked away with. Um, On a personal level, I needed that time with professional colleagues, and it was amazing, every moment of it. Mm -hmm. Well, it was fun, and you emceed, and you were great at it. I'm not sure if you received a lot of feedback. Hopefully you did, positive. It was good to have someone coming up in between the talks that just had this big smile and lots of positive energy. So uh, it, it helped set the pace for the event. And I would say the whole event was kind of like that. People were pretty happy and positive, and, and it went really well, huh? I absolutely agree. And, you know, we we kind of commented later that we didn't hear any complaints. Mm-hmm. And technically, there should have been a couple, <laughs> uh, you yeah. know. We had air conditioning problems and the room wasn't ready and, you know, and no one cared because the attitude and the atmosphere uh, provided by the speakers and, you know, all of us that were responsible for the people who actually bought the tickets because it's all about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, they were really receptive to that positive energy. Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that, too, uh, the honesty that there should have been some complaints. But and, and perhaps there could have justifiably been some, like you mentioned. But I think the the fun that everybody was having and what outweighed the rest. Where uh, even myself, you know, sure it was hot. In fact, after my talk, I was literally drenched in sweat. But I mean, uh, it was overshadowed by the fun uh, that we all had. I didn't even think twice about any uh, anything that uh, was negative. It was just a, a good time. I think that's um, the group of people that were collected, for lack of a better word, or assembled. The, you know, it was just, um, 
you know, we're all friends. We all know each other. Um, some I'm closer to than others, like Dr. Courtney Brown. What a treat he was. And, you know, I learned that Nick Pope is freaking hysterical. <laughs> like, you know, it was just, um, you know, and then, of course, sharing that time with people that I do know very well, like yourself and Karen and, um, you know, MUFON, Phoenix MUFON. Everyone knows I rave about them. I They're un with um, excellence. I love yeah. that group. Yeah, they're pretty cool. So, yeah, it was all fun. It went so well that I really don't, there's not even much to gossip about, you know? I know, and that's that's a good thing, <laughs> finally, right? I mean, this yeah. field, you know, Ufology's uh, taken some hits, and, yeah. you know, um, some deservingly so, and others not so much. And I just feel that, you know, that, Again, assemble a group of people that have been in it for decades and have been in it in the hard times and when it wasn't cool, um, that we're still gathering together with that joy and, um, you know, attitude of just moving forward. It's, it's okay if everybody else, you know, hates this whole genre. I'm still going to investigate UFO reports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're, and so would everybody else that, you know, we were speaking with, you know, we're motivated. It, it reminds me of a high performance team where you have a group of people that are just so focused on one thing. They can um, they can barely pay attention to anything else. <laughs> you know, we're the group that lets the laundry go and, yeah. you know, uh, the apocalypse could happen and we're still in the field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I guess we'll move on from Roswell because some of the listeners are probably like, well, I could make it to Roswell. And, and that's their own fault, because they should have made it. Just kidding. I know people have work and everything. And people are probably saving their time off so they can come to the UFO Congress, which is probably a great idea. Um, and you'll be there. Yes, I am. Um, I hate to miss it. It took me years to finally get there. And, yeah. you know, that's almost um, a curse, because one, you know that the Congress is the best conference out there. And... um when you're actually there, it makes it 10 times harder to miss it. It's just brutal, brutal to miss it. So yeah. I'm going to be there. I'm excited because, you know, um, be hopefully working with the team. It's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And just so people know a little bit more about what you do, maybe we could talk about that, what you do uh, at MUFON. You run the star team, so maybe you can explain what that team is. And you might have more titles the more you're doing this move on that I'm not even aware of. So uh, if, if that's okay, let's go over that. Yeah, uh, right now, um, you know, of course, MUFON's only part of what I do because I also work very closely with Carrie McClure with the field reports. And, you know, that's all our other stuff because I still love paranormal and cryptids and, you know, I just love the mystery. But in MUFON, I focus on the, you know, UFO um reports that are generated and I do I lead what they call the special assignment team which is actually a level above the star team and mm. it we've assembled this group of very experienced uh, investigators that once again I profiled every single member on this team to be part of that high performance and it's been in existence for three years. We're rocking cases every single month. Um, but we handle only the most critical and sensitive cases reported to MUFON and only the cases that come outside of the CMS. 
So we never work a case that um, a witness just puts into the reporting site unless we're asked to assist. And we are asked often. So, uh, you know, we're just really rocking. We've had three major deployments this year and all this information is coming out. Um, usually you can read our final reports in the journal. That's been uh, the place they go. And. You know, I love working with this group. It's a small team. There's only, there's less than 10 of us, and we like it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've not had a single problem, drama, upset, nothing. Not a say. You know, it's a professional, you know, it's, it's a high professional arena where, you know, we just work. We just work the cases. But I kind of, when Jan asked me to, you know, kind of help to develop a new team for headquarters, I kind of thought we have all the investigators taking care of everything out there, you know, like a police department in an area. But when you have something big or significant, you know, they know to bring in experts and a task force. And that's exactly how I've designed SAT team. So I do that. I'm also on international CAG and I am um, assisting some of the countries out here that we don't have um, national leadership you know, um, Cuba, Iceland, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Central America, Guatemala, Guyana, Honduras, Jamaica, Colombia, Costa Rica, <laughs> Nicaragua, East Panama, and Venezuela. Those are my areas that I investigate all the reports coming in from those countries. So, oh, in Mexico. Did I say Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love that. I love working international cases. And I'm also on the communications team as an associate producer. I work very closely with the radio shows um, and also TV. Um, we're getting a lot of uh, TV coverage and uh, TV requests. So just an associate producer uh, learning the trade as we move up. So it sounds like you're keeping busy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. Yeah, I kind of take corners on two wheels, Alejandro, and I love it. So <laughs> I like to stay very busy. I I put 40, 40 to 60 hours in every single week, even wow. my weeks of, you know, when I'm on vacation, because I just, this is what I do. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, cool. So you're keeping really busy. And another thing you're doing, and, and which we're going to talk about, is uh, these other investigations that you do, such as uh, the Starchild Skull. So... This came about, in fact, you know, uh, you came to Arizona and you talked about this and, and you've posted your results online since and it looks like you guys did some great and exhaustive work on this. So I wanted to talk about, you know, what you discovered and I guess first we can describe what the Star Child Skull is uh, and maybe how you ended up hearing about it and then how you became involved with uh, investigating it. Yeah, this skull has been around for decades, and it's most famous with the name Lloyd Pye, who was a researcher. He was actually um, investigating a Bigfoot. You know, that was his thing. And he was at a MUFON meeting in Texas, and the owner, Melanie Young, happened to go there with this skull that she just thought was so anomalous looking and odd that there was just, you know, something different about it and Lloyd agreed to take on the project and try to find out uh, what was going on and they thought it looked alien so of course they named it the star child Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, he spent pretty much the rest of his life from that day forward uh, investigating and researching information on the star child skull. And unfortunately, Lloyd passed away. Um, two years later, I'm speaking at Congress and I'm talking about admissibility and the responsibilities of investigators to, you know, kind of give the witnesses uh, better than just writing down their statement, like, you know, take responsibility for uh, the titles we accept and to make our goals admissibility or to meet a burden of proof. And to do that, we have to understand what evidence is and Scott's law, yada, yada. Well, at the end of this, Melanie stood up and approached the microphone for the Q&A session and, you know, said, ask me a question. She said, what would you consider the definitive proof of extraterrestrials on this earth? And I answered DNA, plain and simple DNA. And she says, well, I have some of that for you and I'd like to talk to you. And I think I joked around about, would somebody please duct tape the, duct tape this woman to the stage so she <laughs> doesn't go anywhere? Because, you know, Congress, there's like a thousand people there, like at least, if not, you know, double that. So, you know, to get lost in a crowd and try to find people is not as easy. So I, you know, I kind of joked about duct taping her, but, um, we met after and then I found out it was a star child skull. Oh my gosh. It was like, well, I've heard of the skull and I also knew Lloyd Pye, you know, spent 16 years and devoted full time to the skull. It's so hard to take over someone else's work. Mm. And he's so loved. I loved him. Everyone does. And, you know, to really understand what they had and what was going on. And I kind of looked at the skull when she had it with her and she pulled it out of, you know, the little container and I'm looking at the skull and I'm thinking, wow, you know, I, I actually think I could, I could do this. And, but there was only one way. And that was if I could start a brand new independent investigation, completely separate of Lloyd's work. I didn't want to stand on that man's shoulders. I did not want to, you know, use what he's done and kind of catapult off that. But also knowing to meet that burden of proof, it needed an, a new set of eyes and a brand new investigation without any of that back knowledge. And that's how that's how we started. Mm -hmm. And so what did you know about the investigation into the skull? And, and this wasn't um, a meant, by the way, as <laughs> a big hook for the conference, because I didn't even know that. I guess I, maybe I forgot. I'm sure you told me. But I didn't even remember that, you know, you made this connection at the conference. So that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, what did you know at that time? Um, not much. Um, I was very familiar with the image of the star child, mm -hmm. but honestly, I never paid attention to, you know, what evidence they had, what files they had. Um, you know, all I knew basic, I was even wrong because, uh, when Melanie first approached me and said it was a star child, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're the one who got the star child after Lloyd passed away. And she looked at me, she said, no, Chase, I've always been the owner. I didn't even know that. So I had very little intimate knowledge or, you know, research data at all, which was a good thing. It, that played very well in the end. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about this? I mean, it was probably intimidating um, since Lloyd 
Pi, of course, was known uh, for this work, and uh, he's, he's essentially was associated, like you said, even more so than the owner, um, to the skull. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on approaching this investigation? Uh, you're right about being intimidated, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just thought, you know, I'm going to tackle it like I do every other case where you just start at the beginning. What do we have? We have a skull. Um, what's the first thing I want to do? Well, I want to bring it to skull specialists and bone specialists. And, you know, what did they have to say? We also know for a fact, an undisputed fact was the skull is 900 years old. So I knew I needed to uh, bring in the experts of anthropologists, archaeologists, um, osteologists, and a lot more ist people. <laughs> and, you know, and that's the first thing we, we did was we took it to the osteology museum because the first question I had was, has this skull been compared to other skulls? And, of course, the answer was yes. But then we find out that it's only been compared to three skulls. And, you know, I, I was like, okay, leave that over there. I don't, I never even looked at the data until the end. I had no idea um, anything about Lloyd's conclusions to any testing or anything. And of course, Carrie McClure, um, very much a part of this, very much a partner. She had no idea either. So that played to our benefit because we just went forward with our own direction. So the first stop, we went to the Osteology Museum because um, it's a bone specialist. It's in Oklahoma City. It is a huge, huge museum. But in the back room, they had over 30 skulls. Wow. Yes, that um, were five years old, 12 years old. Um, you know, some of the claims to the anomalies on the star child we had to compare apples to apples mm -hmm. because we did learn that uh, the skull was being compared to three other skulls, all of them within their 40s. Mm -hmm. So if this, this skull was the size and legitimately five years old, well, we had to compare the skull with other five-year-olds. So, you know, we had over 30. Um, that was very profitable uh, trip for us. The other thing we knew was we had to have um, – you know, the archaeology department and, you know, really anthropologists to really dig in and look at this because we knew it came from Mexico um, around Chihuahua and the Crystal Mind area. And, you know, we, we wanted to take this as scientifically as possible. So electron microscopic work was done at the um, Sealy Labs in Chicago and they did an outstanding job because we're at this point, we're looking for the red fibers and, you know, that rebar, you know, all that fiber that is allegedly throughout the skull. And then, of course, DNA was the next big test. But anybody that had a connection to human remains, human bones, um, dentistry, this skull was visiting every professional we could put out there. Mm -hmm. And what was the consensus from uh, the professionals? What we we discovered was, one, no one ever thought the skull was anything but five years old. So mm. that was a done deal. And, of course, it tested that way as well. Um, looking back, once it was over, we realized that um, all the testing that Lloyd had done also 
came to the exact same conclusion. There was only one claim out of the hundreds that the star child could be older, and that came from the teeth. And the person who remarked that he thought the teeth were worn down more than they should be for a five-year-old um, wasn't even a dentist. So, mm. of course, we brought the teeth to the dentist. You know, these were all um, expert. The experts, the people that should be weighing in, did. Um, we found next that we could not find any of the fibers and that rebar throughout the entire skull. It was non-existent. Again, found out that the Star Child Project on second and third testing never found it again either. Mm. Um, we answered that question when the Sims guys, at the end of this, looked at the older data and said, well, he knew exactly what that was. It was um, debris from dust and kind of that microscopic um, dust particles and things, because we have to remember that it's the skull is 900 years old. It's been varnished, mounted, stored, <laughs> traveled. I mean, everything that could happen to this little skull has. But the fact that the coat of varnish would have soaked into the pores, pushing a lot of that debris and dust particles in the skull, that's what they were picking up. Um, you know, and of course, the DNA, um, our DNA results matched every one of the DNA samples that um, Lloyd had tested from Trace Genetics, Bold Labs and um Gary Nolan out of Stanford University. And of course, we used um, the biggest, probably the above normal credentials. 900 year old skull, we needed a paleo DNA lab, people that specialize in ancient remains, not just any DNA lab, you know, like 21 and me, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, um, we waited and the tests were done by professional paleo uh, DNA specialists. And basically, we got the the same results. Um, I was very proud of the fact that for the first time, a DNA sample um, that we had taken also produced nuclear DNA. So now we had not only mitochondrial with the mother, but we also had the father. And unfortunately, um, it came out completely human, which all the other DNA tests had done as well. There is one claim that... Um, said that there was all these anomalies and, you know, that the star child had DNA they couldn't identify. And unfortunately, we couldn't we could not use um, that expert's work. One, his name wasn't on it. Two, they never produced where these testing were done, what samples were taken, what was his process. And although I know behind the scenes exactly who this is, it wasn't even a geneticist. He's a mm. virologist that studies Lyme disease. Oh, yeah. That's so, one unfortunate thing that happens in not just this field. It happens in other areas. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, experts should know better. I mean, we had this with Roswell Slides and, and other things that didn't pan out. When experts who are experts in a certain field um, start to comment or make a, a quote-unquote expert opinions about fields that they're not familiar with, that they're not experts in. And anybody should know, especially a doctor, you don't do that. I mean, you don't make claims. You send people to experts 
in those given fields instead of trying to, you know, purport yourself as an expert in a film you're uh, area you're not. Yeah, it, you know, and the biggest thing at the end is we came up with the scientific admissibility, which is it's done. And the reason it's done is because all of the past testing done by the Star Child Project and Lloyd Pye, accredited people, all came up with the same thing. Mm. It's human. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, Carrie, poor Melanie, um, you know, she was really upset by this. But I think in her heart... She was just fulfilling a promise she made to Lloyd, which was she would finish the work. Mm-hmm. And people came after her like, you know, she's, you know, disrespecting Lloyd Pye. And, you know, it was ugly. I mean, people really went after her. Mm-hmm. And the truth was this was something he, he wanted her to do, asked her yeah. to do this. And um, I honestly think if Lloyd had the same access that we do today, um, and, and this is all very recent access, by the way. Um, you know, he, he would have pursued the same path we did. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, she took a lot of hits. Um, the other thing is, you know, you also have a couple of those believers. Carrie and I were, um, waiting for the blowback and we really didn't get any. Hmm. Uh, we did not get a lot. We had two very negative comments and both of them were from fake accounts. Wow. So. We remove the comments because we will keep anything coming at us. Um, but put your name on it. We put yeah. ours on. You know, put your name on it. These anonymous trolls, I, I have no time for. Hence, we wrote the report or wrote the article, um, fake news trolls and truth seekers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, explain it, you know, that we're going to do that. But we have also put the challenge out that we would love to be wrong. Come on, right, Alejandro? We're, mm-hmm. we're UFO investigators. We're looking for the metal. We want an alien. We want to find this evidence. So for anybody to think that there wasn't total disappointment when we got these results back, um, don't know us at all or mm-hmm. how money and time and blood, sweat and tears people like you and I have put into this field looking for this. Or how much money we personally invested in the star child. Of course, we were looking for something else. But science didn't care what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at the skull, it's weird looking. Um, and, and what did you find out about that, the odd shape? Well, you know, there's um, one, it's not cradle boarded. And two, we don't believe it's hydrocephalic, which is, you know, part of the explanation. What's but that? we did. Hydrocephalic is um, when you get an odd-shaped head or the head is much bigger and bulbous because you get water on the brain. And it's mm. where cerebral fluids, you know, from the spine um, just accumulate in your brain and will make your head much bigger. Oh. And, and you know, every, every expert, even when we presented it, said immediately it's hydrocephalic. Hmm. And we had to study in and work with them and say, but go back and you know read the the fine print of other things that are associated with hydrocephaly and that is not presented on the star child and we act, they actually the scientists actually reconsidered and said you know what you're right there's other explanations unfortunately we found two diseases 
um, that present the symptoms uh, almost exactly, you know, one for mm. one, shallow eye sockets, lower ears. Um, now, we're not saying that the star child had these diseases. We present this information as alien is no longer the only explanation for these anomalies. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, because, of course, my job was to determine the origins of the star child. Is it human or alien or hybrid? My job is not to determine the disease or is it Down mm-hmm. syndrome, um, you know, which also have like shallow eyes and, you know, lower ears and uh, kind of that rounder, thicker skull. And, you know, <laughs> so that's basically where we went. We put our findings out there and really have people have been uh, very kind and the accolades about sticking with that scientific method no matter what. Um, cause we, we would not speculate. Cause we know as investigators, Alejandro, we don't have the luxury like a researcher to put in theory or to, to say, well, maybe it's uh-huh. us from the future or science is exact. And that is why, unfortunately, it's the only thing that's going to convince anybody that we have proof. Uh-huh. And if we don't stick with those, uh, that high bar, and the protocols of evidence as we know it, we're done. We're done from the beginning. We have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Well, you all did a great job. And I think that's what, what people appreciate is a an investigation, uh, some research on this skull done properly. I mean, you went to experts. You got their opinion and their information. You got uh, several experts so that you can you know have more than one opinion. And, and so you did a great job and you put together a great, uh, um, report on your work and they can, people can find that at, and we'll put a link, um, in the notes for the show, but it's thefieldreports.com.wordpress.com. Yes. So that's where people can get that report. Uh, very well done. You have a great abstract where people who, like many people who have difficulty reading an entire story, They'll, they'll read a sentence or two and maybe hopefully a whole paragraph and, uh, have patience to read the entire abstract. It's just a paragraph, uh, to get a summary of the investigation. But, uh, yeah, job well done. And finally, you know, people can stop wondering and, and know and move on. And uh-huh. it is moving on. You nailed it, Alejandro, because there's so many other claims. I have, you know, people reaching out to me. I have this other skull or I found this and, you know, I think it's alien. Let's move on. If, if this isn't the answer, um, you know, which Carrie McClure, much to her credit, I have to give her kudos for this because she found the, the origins, which is ridiculously almost impossible of a Native American group you know, of 900 years ago. And that Native American tribe is no longer, you know, just there like the Apache or Cherokee. Um, the, they were assumed by the Maya. And it, it's just an amazing account that, you know, she ended up finding this group in that area that actually left petroglyphs in a cave, which is why we know about them. So, you know, right now we're working with Mexico. Um, it's actually Ruben Uriate is helping Melanie Young because our investigation's over. Um, of course, you know, we're involved, but, you know, letting Melanie 
um, repatriate these remains to where they need to be. And, you know, big kudos to her because she went through a lot at, in this discovery. Um, you know, she felt gut punched and, you know, just really in tears um, over, you know, some of the things that we would find out or revelations or, you know, just seeing the skull sitting there um, being sampled again. It's just, it needs to stop. This poor little, this poor little guy, um, and we know it's male. Alejandra, you look at this little skull, and the, I remember my feeling the first time she pulled it out, and it was empathy. I felt sorry for him because, you know, he's been on display and trans, it's, it's time to let him, let him be. It's time to let this little boy be. I can just imagine 900 years ago with the oddities of, what we know just in his head, God forbid he had any other deformity or illness 900 years ago. It's not accepted. Like they can't work. They're not productive. You know, usually they're left in the woods, Um, you know, and also the female skull that was found with the star child that we know for a fact is not related. The concussion fractures we found on her skull were so numerous. You couldn't count, you know, Brutal life, brutal life. This little, this wow. little guy needs to rest. I have goosebumps right now. I, I get choked up because you know this little guy's been through a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of moving on, you have gone. You've also this isn't all the skull research you've done. <laughs> uh, you've actually gone to Peru and done some investigation of some of the elongated skulls, and um, I guess. I don't want to speak for you, but in a nutshell, you haven't found, you know, any smoking gun of, of, of some sort of extraterrestrial relationship, but you have found some interesting stuff. Am I, am I correct in, in what I've, in the way I framed that just now? Yeah, actually, it was perfect, Alejandro. They have, um, I work with, uh, Eli Marzuli. He is the lead of a team that he puts together when, uh, there are new samples or new opportunities to take DNA. We've done almost 300 samples of the team. Um, you know, and I, and of course I take most of these samples. Um, I kind of have the stuff. I have a, I, I kind of joke and say I have a forensic kit that would make the sheriff's department jealous and I know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> but we get down there and, um, yeah a lot of DNA. We're learning a lot about the Paracas skulls. Unfortunately, no Nephilim. Um, There's absolutely no um, alien that we found so far. However, we're finding out that they're come, they they come from the Middle East and they're fair skinned and red hair. What? In Peru at that time? So a lot of the skulls you're examining are from the Middle East with red hair and they're fair skinned people. And, and yes. how did they determine that? From the haplogroups. It's uh, now that wow. we can get the, yeah, the DNA. It's, it's how we found this star child was Native American. Mm-hmm. And, of course, even though it was from Mexico, you know, back in those days, there was no border. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know, just considered uh, Native American. And I, I have yeah. to tell you, it that sent us into an entirely new direction. We were dead stopped talking to the uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs in Washington, D.C. I mean, there was a lot of legal stuff because you're not allowed to own, transport, display, or profit from human remains, Mm -hmm. especially native remains. 
So um, the elongated skulls, you know, are really providing a lot of information about not only migration, but it's almost confirming we're almost there, you know, a biblical Levant, you know, when, you know, 70 tribes went out and, you know, this is all before they should have had the proper, you know, boats and ships. And it's just remarkable. But that's all led by L.A. Marzuli. Um, I'm just I'm just I call myself the token ufologist. Mm. And, you know, and, you know, the forensic person that, you know, takes the samples and, you know, sets everything up and takes care of the chain of custody because that is just as important, if not more important than the sample. Mm -hmm. So with uh, that, um, is that a new discovery? I mean, were uh, archaeologists uh, aware that uh, of this, you know, background of these skulls prior to the work that you all did? Um, no, this this was something that was uh, unprecedented and it did come from L.A.'s work. And uh, it, it led to a year later, the uh, Ministry of Culture in Peru invited L.A. back with his team, myself included, with Mondo Gonzalez. And we were invited to actually visit their museum and their museum curators picked out, uh, I think it was 13 of their most anomalous skulls that have never been out in public and let us uh, do DNA on all 13 of them. Wow. And uh, right. There was a moment when I stood there and I'm thinking, wait a minute, how how did a UFO investigator get here where I'm standing with, you know, the president of the Ministry of Culture? And at their request, doing their DNA. Mm -hmm. And it's because they don't have the proper equipment, um, unfortunately. You know, we're standing there wearing clean suits and sterile gloves and, you know, just all the wrap. And they kept taking pictures and other uh, museum personnel were, you know, driving in throughout the day to photograph. And they kept smiling, CSI, CSI. You know, um, cause we had a full clean room set up and, you know, they, they've never seen anything like that in, in person. Wow. That's pretty cool. So, and that answers the question because I think a lot of people would be like, well, why haven't they done this work before? But, uh, and, and that's the issue in a lot of third world countries or in the Middle East where there are areas that are rich and, and South yes. America, especially they're rich in history. And of course it's all sitting there. For anybody to go investigate, but politics and so many other things get in the way, it just doesn't make it possible. Right. It is difficult um, working in Peru. It's uh, we've gone to the necropolis in Chongos. That's where we get most of the elongated skulls that you know we're examining. You know, straight out of the dirt. Um, we're not opening graves. We're literally finding them on top of the soil or the desert sand because the waqueros or grave robbers, um, they're just looking for the jewels and the pottery and the Inca treasures. And the remains are just kind of thrown up, you know, all over the place. But most of the parts of Peru, you get out of Lima and Paracas and um, even, 
you know, NASCA area and, and Cusco, when you come away from them, 99% of the area, they're still trading, you know, llamas and machetes. <laughs> they have no idea what a cell phone looks like. Um, they're very curious about what we're doing there. Um, in fact, I was standing on a step pyramid with the mayor of Chongos, you know, who was telling me about this UFO that, you know, right in back of the, the desert, you saw this green area and they have a lot of cattle in his village. And that's, they, there was a big lake there and all the cattle would come and drink from this, this lake. And this UFO kept coming and it took all their water and he's upset. So, after the interpreter, because my my Spanish was as good as his English, mm-hmm. um, after the interpreter kind of fills me in, I'm like, oh, do you want me to go take, you know, samples of the dry lake bed, thinking maybe, you know, trace evidence? And he looked at me and he's like, no, I want you to get the water back. And it hit me. There are some cultures, they don't need a DNA sample to tell them what's going on. He's telling me a UFO that everybody in his village knows about would visit and took their water. He was hoping in his, you know, lack of understanding of what I did as an investigator was more like, well, can you make sure we want our water back? (laughs) When I told him what it was I really did, he kind of looked at me and wondered why I was in Peru looking for UFOs, because don't they have them in America? (laughs) So it was a big wake up call to, you know, to realize that UFOs in some cultures, it's just part it's it's, it's part of their belief system. I, you know, they don't they don't need our fancy science. <laughs> they've seen them. You mm-hmm. know, they know of them. Um, they've seen the beings and, you know, they don't need us, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is fascinating. And it's fascinating. And, and we know this about South America talking with some of the groups down there. Um, how they have such a different perspective. And, uh, there's a, there's a woman, um, she writes about Native Americans and she's gone down to Mexico and spoken with Native, uh, Americans down there. Uh, and they have a similar kind of more open perspective, which is just, so foreign to us here because, of course, you and I and others always have to fight for credibility or and to be taken seriously. Right, right. And I, I um, were you talking about Artie Six Killer? Yes, exactly. I couldn't think of her name for a second. Yeah, she is amazing. She's done some great work getting um, a lot of that oral testimony. And, you know, it's funny when we're down there, Alejandro, because a lot of times – um, especially in the Bolivia area around Pumapuku and Tiwanku, they use the word watchers. They don't call them aliens. Hmm. Clearly, they're using the word watchers. So whether it's um, a biblical narrative or, you know, uh, coming from a different solar system or galaxy and they're getting here on that full tank of gas and a Red Bull, um, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, they know that there's intelligent other beings out there. They don't care exactly who they are. You know, they, they believe that um, where they're from, that humanity is from um, the, this whole big scope that we're just trying to get our finger into. Hmm. And well, and watchers is a really good term, I would think. I mean, in that if, of course, we're being visited by uh, some third party. Uh, that's what it appears they're doing is watching because it's at least 
not overtly interacting with us, uh, apparently, at this point. Yeah, exactly. And when we heard the term watchers, of course, I'm with L.A. and, um, you know, he he's very um, big and his work has to do with a biblical prophecy um, angle. You know, so he immediately jumped to the watchers of the Bible, you know, the fallen angels. And, uh, you know, we had to stop him and we had to say, wait a minute, let's make sure that's, you know, what they mean when they're using that term. And it came out that exactly as you just pointed out, not necessarily, not necessarily. They they were talking about, you know, those who just keep an eye out there. Mm-hmm. So now that we're getting towards the end, uh, to wrap up, I want to kind of change the, change the subject. But thank you for sharing all of this. This is super fascinating. And like I said, I knew the time went by and it certainly has. But, you know, I, I've just kind of thought about something uh, while we were talking here. There's a lot of sort of uh, cynicism uh, among re- UFO researchers these days. And, and I do understand it. I completely understand it. Um, however, do you share that? How do you feel about the future of this topic? I think it's, I think it's, bright i think it's open i think we are we are responsible for the future and as long as we maintain our pace and that integrity and we're treating our witnesses correctly and treating each other with respect um we don't have to be facebook friends we don't have to be you know uh bffs having you know friday nights together mm-hmm. at girls time or whatever you know but the respect and it's okay to have educated debate it is okay to have difference of opinion but i kind of find that we have a lot of people coming in and they're already slinging barbs and mm-hmm. i i guess i i guess i i don't want to sound mean but i almost don't have time for it because i'm busy um, I'm too busy and I've been busy for 20 something, you know, 20 plus years, almost 24 years and don't care if the grass is greener on the other side. I'm too busy to notice. I don't even know if there is grass on the other side, mm-hmm. but I think there's, you know, there, there's this need for people to forget that you can do this on your own. 90% of everything I've done or that you've done, Alejandro, is basically we're on our own out here. We have a team, we have other people, but our work has to complement and and be part of the puzzle. And I kind of feel like these people feel like that they're here and a year later, if they're not speaking at conferences or on television, you know, they're being shut out or I, I, I can't even put my finger on it. I'll be honest. Everyone knows I'm old and grumpy. I call <laughs> them the Kardashians. I want to be famous for nothing. And the truth is, in this field, if you're going to survive, work treat each other with respect because I understand and also hear all the drama. You know, we have people here that have public opinion or a, like they have a personal side to them that none of us would ever accept in our home or tolerate hanging with this person. And they belong to, you know, MUFON or something like this. And, you know, um, you know, we're going to take our hits. We're going to take a lot of hits, and we've had a couple um, tough years. But what I saw, Alejandro, for those of us with the passion that 
we don't care about the accolades. We're not looking for, you know, a pat on the back. I'm not looking to make money. Shoots, if anyone had any idea how much we spent on the Star Child Skull <laughs> or or the Arkansas Crystal Mine or how much money, you know, came out of my pocket, they would think we were nuts. Nuts. Mm-hmm. And um but you know, I'm I'm I just think our future and being around everyone um, turning this full circle at Roswell. You know, I don't always agree with Linda's theories and some of the things that she says. And but I love her and respect her so much because this woman was fighting for everything she's got. You know, she started back in the 60s where women weren't even allowed Hmm. in a newsroom. Uh, You know, you have to you have to show respect for you know, where these people have come from. Nick Pope. I love this guy. Mark D'Antonio and I go back and forth. We debate um, passionately sometimes, but we're colleagues and we're friends. And, you know, as long as we maintain these really good relationships and understand um, that it's not all about a reality show, calling everybody out on Facebook and pointing fingers and, you know, calling for this and calling for that. Um, I think if you want to be here, find something to do. I agree with you 100%, and that's a great way to put it. Because, yeah, a lot of the people who are cynical are not the people who are just getting out there and doing it. And I think that if you're depressed about this field uh, or about, you know, the future of it, you know what? You just got to do what you said. Go out and do something because you obviously have work to do. I feel like there's an abundance of work to do and an abundance of areas to research and investigate. Some of them may be fruitful. Of course, often they turn out to be something mundane or not as mysterious as we had suspected or maybe even hoped. But um, there's plenty and plenty to do, and there's more discoveries to be found. And, uh, yeah, so I, I don't have it as a cynical view as those others, and I think you're right that if they're cynical, just go do some work because then you're going to make some discoveries that will help motivate you. Uh, and you'll be able to share your discoveries, like, like you said, with our colleagues and discuss. And uh, that keeps us all motivated and going. Yeah. And it, and if if you're too busy complaining constantly and, and not finding the work, leave. Leave. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. I, can mm-hmm. I say that? I'm sorry. But oh, I, I, I get we very passionate about now, the people that just crash, do nothing, crash, you know, like Philip Class. And, you know, think back on some of the people that did nothing but complain and gripe and moan and, oh, my God. And, you know, I like skeptics. They keep me honest. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't like the people that constantly feel like in their, you know, 18 months of experience, um, they're going to tell us what's going on out here, (laughs) you know, like with each other. It's just annoying. It's annoying. And, you know, I don't have time for it, which, of course, makes me look like um, I may be elitist or uninterested in meeting new people. I'm just busy and I have no time for the drama. And and those of us that really enjoy each other, none of us do. Alejandro, you don't have the time. Linda doesn't. Linda's not even on Facebook. Well, I guess she is now, but someone else does it. Hmm. How smart is that? (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, I think our future is dead on. In fact, I believe that it is going to be one of us that pushes not disclosure, confirmation. I believe science is going to do it. 
but I believe we are so close, Alejandro. I mean, we really are. It's we're making big headway. Our days of sniffing dirt are over. <laughs> we're talking with, you know, legitimate state of the art DNA labs, um, you know, um, observatories, ev- every scientific community that once locked us out. Our doors are wide open right now. Everyone's talking about UFOs, the Vatican, our institutions, um, universities, television, you name it. Everyone's talking and they're looking. We have, what, 70-year head start? Catch up, people. What do you <laughs> need to know? We'll, we'll let you. We'll fill you in. <laughs> well, we are out of time and such a great note to end on. Thank you so much. I mean, I think that my listeners will agree your work is really important and you've done a lot of important stuff. And uh, I just can't say how great of a job I think that you guys did on the Star Child thing. Of course, yeah, it would have been nice if it would have turned out to be something mysterious. Right? But uh, it's almost more important to me to that there are people doing what you all did and showing that you can do proper investigation and how effective uh, it can be to do do the job right, like you all did. So, job well done, and and thank you so much for the work that you do. Thanks, Aleandro. It means so much coming from you, honestly. Well, that is it. Thanks for coming on again. So, it was a lot of fun, and I guess when will I see you next? Um, well... <laughs> Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, it will be Vegas, because it turns out, for reasons we don't have to get into, but I have discussed how I was going to skip out this conference, not uh, big on the content so much, but actually, uh, you know, we do do a trade with MUFON, and I've always said there's, I don't, I'm never dumping MUFON people about, why don't you dump MUFON? But I, I just don't think that that's, uh, there are so many great people working at MUFON, and everybody's heart is in the right place, regardless of, of if we disagree on certain things, but... They have a presence at the UFO Congress, which I love. I love having them there. And MUFON's an extremely important organization, the most important organization in this field. And, uh, of course, I'm a big supporter and lots of friends out there. So we will be out there to help promote the Congress and open minds. So, yeah, so uh, myself and my lovely girlfriend, Karen, will be out there. So if you're going to be there, come say hi at our table, and you'll be able to see Chase, too. Yeah, I'll be running around, um, definitely, and I cannot wait to see you guys again, so I'm really happy um, that you're coming, and that's what we need to do. You you don't agree with it, and you're, you're coming anyway. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. There's benefit. We stand together as a field. We stand together. Uh, let the date. Let the debate begin when we get there. Right. Well, and you know, um, uh, the leadership there, who I have voiced, you know, uh, my opinions to, uh, you know, th- like you've mentioned earlier, it's important to have those working relationships where we can talk uh, to each other about what we disagree about. But uh, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, everything has to end. It just means that, you know, we discuss and hopefully move to, uh, hopefully yeah. we all learn together. How far do you go if it's my way or I don't work with you anymore? Let's see how long that lasts, right? Yeah, well, so, it, uh, yeah I mean, it's, it, it's an individual thing for people to decide. But uh, right. 
But there are just a lot of wonderful people in MUFON. And, you know, um, they're all doing their best. That's, that's the whole key is everybody's doing their best and trying to do what they think is right. Well, you rock, Alejandro. Thanks so much you for rock. having me. Thank you so much for being on. And I guess we'll talk to you next time. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank you. Oh, sorry. One more thing. Uh, websites that people should go to to look at your stuff besides MUFON.com and the, uh, the FieldReports.com website we mentioned earlier. It's ChaseKletsky.com. Very easy. And, um, um, I, you'll have a link because my mm-hmm. last name is ridiculous to spell or <laughs> to figure out. So yeah, just, just hit me up guys. And you know, I'm, I'm really here for the people that are out there. Um, most important for our witnesses. So if, if you have something, call me. All right. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Chase for joining us on the show. Be sure to check out that report. Of course, I've talked about it so much because it is so important. So check out that report. That's really, I mean, I just think it's a great uh, uh, example of the way an investigation should be done. And, you know, that's one of the things, of course, that uh, gets me excited. And that's one of the things we try to highlight and uh, why we talk to so many of these different people that we do on this show, because they're people who are doing really careful and thorough examination. And that's the hard part, you know. I think that's the most important part. It's very easy to speculate. It's very easy to say, oh, you know, this must be aliens, that must be aliens. Uh, But it's harder to go down and dig. And I think a lot of times people don't want to know. You know, they don't want their bubble to be burst. They don't want to know if something is not alien or, or something. So it's unfortunate that that happens, but that's the way it is. But we all have to be honest with ourselves and do a good investigation and try to figure out the root of what something is because what's left over is a real mystery. And there, in my mind, and, and I think in yours, and that's why you listen, there is a mystery here. And you know what? A lot of the skeptics that we hear out there also get so passionate about this field because they feel that there's a true mystery here. Um, so that's really exciting. And, uh, I think, uh, Chase for her work and it's going to be great to see her this weekend. Of course, I did talk about how I wasn't going to go to the MUFON symposium just because the topic's not really, I, I don't think that's careful research. I think it's speculation and it's, it's, uh, making extraordinary claims. And I really agree with Carl Sagan when he says extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And unfortunately, simply anecdotal evidence from a couple people is not enough, especially when people are saying like they see Obama on Mars and some of these other kind of really out there type of things. So that's why I wasn't going to go to the symposium. I'm not really as into that speculation and kind of loose way out there kind of claims that that aren't supported. And, and, frankly, I I don't think are that credible. However, there are a lot of great speakers out there and MUFON as an organization is a great, great thing. All of these people, even if I don't see eye to eye on who is uh, speaking at the symposium or or kind of what the topic is at the symposium, all of the people who put the symposium together and run MUFON have their hearts in the right place. And they're just like the rest of us trying to find answers and trying to figure out what's going on in this field. And not only that, most likely some of you are going to the conference and this is an opportunity for us to see you. It's an opportunity for us to tell people about our conference and uh, this podcast and our website uh, that might other not otherwise know about it. So we'll be out there in Vegas this weekend. We'll have a table. So come say hi if you listen to the podcast. 
um, if Martin or I have offended you or your country in any way, be sure to let me know so we can publicly apologize here on the show next week because I'm sure we, we uh, offended somebody out there uh, in what we were talking about earlier. So uh, if we did, I apologize and, you know, come to the table and tell me about it and I will we'll, uh, clarify that uh, I didn't mean to be uh, such a jerk if I was and and so I could apologize to you for that and then uh, commit to apologizing here on the show as well but thank you so much to Chase Chase is super awesome Chase spoke last year at our or no two years ago at our conference I she may or may not be speaking at the conference this year we haven't figured that out but she will be helping so she'll be a volunteer and she'll be helping out in the back we're going to have her carry heavy boxes and probably do lots of the the heavy work because she's she's a tough little mama uh but she'll be around so you'll be able to see her and ask her questions and I hope that from here on out she'll be coming and helping out with the conference uh because we have wonderful volunteers and you know we have a lot of people who are there every year uh stanton and kathleen are there every year uh, Stanton friedman and kathleen martin and then uh travis walton is there every year and we do have ooh, this is a little bit of a sneak preview for the conference we do have a line and we'll probably have something really special regarding the travis walton uh event at our conference some people might be thinking, although we haven't heard this feedback, so I shouldn't be saying that because uh, people are usually really excited when we have something regarding Travis Walton at our conference. But um, we will be having something special regarding Travis. Some, you know, and, and I know we try not to have the same speakers every year, and we typically don't. Um, it's rare that we'll have a, one speaker uh, over and over again but with Travis we've had him quite a bit but usually it's not him alone we add something special we've had at our conferences witnesses related to Travis with the Travis Walton case that no one else has ever had or that you won't see anywhere else and we want to continue that because we are so close to Travis and we've done so much with this case and we have been able to speak to witnesses and people no one else has ever been able to speak to before and of course we want them to share their experiences with you all so you can hear from them because uh, it's an amazing event so uh, we will ha have something special around that, I believe, at our conference this year. We'll be opening up registration in the next couple of weeks and have some more information about the speakers at our conference uh, in the next couple of weeks as well. So stay tuned to that exciting, exciting stuff. So, And if you don't know, I th I'm sure because you listen to the show, you know, you know who Travis Walton is. But if you've heard of the movie Fire in the Sky, just in case you're a new listener or you're not aware, I, I like to be sure to make get everybody informed if you've seen the movie fire in the sky it was based off of the travis walton um, experiences event that he experienced along with several of his fellow um, loggers in arizona in the 70s and this is something that's kind of crazy because they all saw this craft you know in the forest uh, it beamed Travis. He flew many feet. They freaked out and ran away. They came back. Travis was gone. Uh, he came back five days later, and he had these incredible memories and, and stuff. So it, it's a crazy story, and the more I look at it and the more I get involved, I personally have not seen any holes in it or any uh, you know, evidence of deception. Uh, and I've been pretty close. I, I've talked to, you know, 
probably more witnesses than almost anybody has, quite frankly, because I'm so close to Travis and have been so involved with this and putting these different things together. So uh, there's only a handful of us that I think have talked to so many. In fact, one or two witnesses, including the one we want to get in at the stage, practically nobody's talked to before. So uh, really exciting stuff. It's going to be a great conference again. Uh, one of those reasons it'll be great is because Chase will be there. So thank you again so much to Chase for being on the show. I want to thank a couple other people. I do want to thank Race Hobbs from KGRA. He was one of the sponsors at the Roswell event, and that was a lot of fun. And in fact, we're looking at doing a partnership uh, where you know KGRA will be hosting our show, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's a great network, and they do some really cool stuff there. So it'll be great to be part of the KGRA family. But you will still be able to have get me. All of the ways you currently get me. So don't worry, podcasters. You won't have to do anything different, and you'll continue to get the show. You'll continue to have it show up in your podcast list and everything. So no worries. Uh, it'll just be more people that it'll be available to, essentially. And, you know, partnership with some great people. So that's exciting. I want to thank Caleb Hanks, who does the opening and close music. Of course, I want to thank Martin Willis all the way out there in Russia. And isn't it amazing how clear he sounds, I mean, he sounds like he's here in the States as usual, but he's all the way halfway around the world, and uh, it's like he's here in the room talking to us. That is so much fun. It's just amazing, the technology and how this all works. Uh, it, it's it's incredible that we can do that. So thank you to Martin once again, and thank you for that wonderful singing. Who knew, huh? That was That was some good singing, I thought. So thank you to Martin for being on the show once again from Podcast UFO to share some UFO news and to talk about some UFO news. And finally, you know who I want to thank now, don't you? Mm, I can see a couple of you blushing out there, getting a little shy. Don't be shy, little buddy. I want to thank you because you are awesome. You come and listen to this show, and I cannot thank you enough for doing just that. Uh, and do please come and say hello if you're going to be at the MUFON Symposium so I can thank you in person because I like to do that. And thank you for those who do that. And I usually don't have a – well, not that's not true. I don't often have a lot of time where it's just like, oh, great, thanks for listening to Joe. It's so nice to meet you, and I'll try to make some time. But sometimes, you know, we get to have some long conversations and really get to know each other, which is a lot of fun because, you know, it's just guys – uh, and I don't mean to be elitist or, or make you feel elitist, but the the people who listen to the show are, are just some of the most incredible people I've met. They're highly attractive. I think I've said this before. Highly intelligent. They uh, they just have a, a swagger, you know. They are the bad mofos of the world that, that listen to this podcast. And so uh, I, I don't mean to, to make us sound elitist, but it's just, you know, we can take pride in just what a cool bunch of people you are. <laughs> You're cool dudes. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Even though I'll be at MUFON, I'm going to do my best, and I think I will be able to do an interview and still have a show on Monday. That is my goal, and I do not see that being an issue. It should happen. So I will talk to you next week, people. Until then, adios, muchachos. <laughs>